You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Big one this weekend. Colts in Jacksonville. We all know how that has gone over the past decade or so. We'll preview the Horseshoes matchup with the Jags, providing an injury update. We've got keys to the game. We'll make predictions. But even before we start with the news, you guys, even beforehand, both of you two owe me an apology. Each one of you. You but, know why? But I know. You, but you, you, you were as wrong as we were. I, yeah. I, I was one point <laughs> off. One point. Last week, so when we. I came on here, <laughs> and I said that the Colts would lose to the Texans 21-20. Final score of the game, 20-20. to And y'all looking at me like I have eight heads. Mike calls me out on our Colts Blue Zone pregame show. I just pointed out that one of us picked uh-huh. the other team to win. Uh-huh. And well, 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 one of us was less wrong than the other two. All right? Yeah. You're hanging your hat on that, huh? I am. I was, I was the least wrong out of everyone on this show. I'll give, the, I'll give that to you, Dave. So there we go. Very happy. Very happy. All right, let's get to the news then, uh, stopping me being an idiot here. Uh, the Colts uh, this week uh, made a move that we could see coming very much so after overtime in Houston, and that is the decision to waive kicker Rodrigo Blankenship on Tuesday. He signed with the Colts as an undrafted free agent back in 2020. His rookie year was very solid. Was the Colts' uh, single-season points rookie, rookie record? Um, had, had a very, very good year. Last year, things came unglued and had real trouble. You could point to the Baltimore game where he got hurt as really the start of that. And then the hope was, you know, you rest, you rehab. And even last year, chap, when, when he was supposedly healthy, they didn't kick him to the curb. Bagley, Michael Bagley was still their kicker. Didn't that tell you something? That, was, that right there was your first or, or your inkling that this could be a possibility in the future. Um, and, and now it is. Rodrigo Blankenship is no longer with the Colts. He made 82% of his field goals over his career, but there are too many in the wrong times, Joe, uh, that were missed. So I, I do want to hand it to you because he was your boy for the longest time, but he I, was. I was really rooting for him. Uh, it was kind of a sad day the other day to see him cut because it was a player on draft a free agent um, that I've been rooting for for a long time. I like uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, but I was a, kind of ready for the move as well. I mean, at a certain point, you got to cut ties and go. I don't know if it's a confidence thing. Maybe sticking with Badgley really messed with his confidence because he hit his previous field goals in the game. He was two for three. Hit his first two, and then the 42-yarder on top of the kickoffs. I mean, the kickoffs are tough. You're a kicker. Your one job is to kick the ball. You think you could keep it in It's a wide field. In a 52-and-a-half yard field. 52-and-a-half yard field. I believe that's the... At the same time, it's something he's been doing for, what, like three weeks since um, um, Sanchez usually handled that role. It it really comes down to the field goal. I think if he makes that field goal in overtime to win the game, he's still the Colts kicker right now. You mentioned a confidence thing. I think it is a confidence thing, and it's a confidence the team does not have in their kicker. Mm -hmm. Dave and I were talking on the way in here is, I don't know how you could could have brought him back. With, you know, you you, you preach accountability, and everybody's held to standards, and then your kicker, 
as 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 many things that went wrong in that game, and there were many, you know, the the drop touchdowns and the wildcat and letting OG Howard get loose twice. It all goes. It, it doesn't go away, but it's all lessened if your kicker kicks a forty-two-yard field goal, which, with the last ten years, it's eighty-two percent on 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 those kicks, and it, it, and nobody really called him out. I thought Matt Ryan kind of summed everybody up where he said, you know, we we were in position, we got ourselves in position, mm-hmm. which is what you do, right? And then you let your kicker do his job, and he didn't do it. It's it's a cruel business. And that job, probably more than any, is the most uh, unforgiving. Mm-hmm. You know, the left tackle, you know, Braden Smith had a couple of bad plays, and one was a sack fumble. Well, he had another 80-some plays to atone. Kickers don't do that. And and one thing I will argue with Joe a little bit about, it, I think they were really PO'd on the kickoffs out of bounds. Yeah. The one to start overtime, it gives Houston the ball at the 40-yard line. You just have to go like twenty five yards. We're, we're talking two first downs, and and, and their kicker is gonna gonna hit it. Yeah. So, but but it's everything. I, I just don't know how you bring him back and say, you know, we we we're gonna let him work through this. Well, that didn't work so well with a, a Hall of Fame kicker in two thousand nineteen. It cost right. him three wins. Mm-hmm. This team just could not have brought him back and looked at the other players and said, we're gonna let him. We're going to show patience. Patience. You just couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, the, the the leash was always short uh, this year, and it didn't even take didn't even take two games. Uh, it took one game, and, and, and that's it. You know, so in in the place of Rod, the Colts signed two kickers to their practice squad, um, and they'll be able to elevate one of them come game day, uh, or both of them if they choose to. But that's probably unlikely. Uh, the two kickers, one of them is a guy that Colts fans will know, Chase McLaughlin. And I apologize already if I if I accidentally say McLaughlin at some point because I, I'm so used to saying Scott McLaughlin, the IndyCar driver, that that's the first thing that comes out of my mouth when I see this name. But uh, but Chase kicked for the Colts in 2019, replacing Adam Vinatieri when he went on injured reserve. And he was pretty good, made five of his six attempts, as long as 50, made all 11 of his point afters. Uh, since then, he's appeared in games for Jacksonville, the Jets, and the Cleveland Browns. Played all 16 games for Cleveland last year, made 71% of his field goals, which is just a awful number. Like I, I just yeah, said, if, not good. Now, if, if Rod makes 82% and he's gone from the Colts, 71, you can imagine what that would uh, look like, Colts fans. But um, There's a reason the Browns spent, I think, a fourth-round pick on a kicker this year. And then he goes out and he kicks a 53-yard game winner or whatever it was, or a 56-yard game winner. 58, I believe 58, it was. Even more. So you keep even going better. back. Yeah. Imagine that. You invest in a position of need. You, you know, I, I tweeted this out, and it, it was actually a, a little bit more controversial than I thought it would be. I said, hot take, which immediately uh, should signal you that this is kind of a debatable thing, but hot take, you should use a draft pick if you have kicker trouble or something like that. If you don't have a kicker, you should draft one. And and I recognize that there are, um, in the NFL, I'll bet there's just as many, if not more so, undrafted kickers that are successful than... Uh, than un- than drafted kickers that are successful, um, but I believe I really do believe it's something that your staff, your uh, what's it called, your scouting staff should invest more time in and get more of an idea of who you want and take him somewhere in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. I don't care where, um, rather than just let it fall to you and kind of because it, it seems like an afterthought with with many teams. That's what it seems like when. You go and you spend an undrafted spot on Rodrigo. He's here for a couple of years, and then he doesn't work anymore for a position that, as Mike alluded to earlier, 
it doesn't have the fudge factor that Braden Smith has at right tackle. You don't have 80 plays that you can get um, 80, uh, 78 of them well, and then people kind of forget about the one or two that don't go as well. It's the one where every time you're on the field, points are on the line. So you, you need a guy that mentally has it, that physically has it. And, and I can't think of a, a better uh, argument to say that you should spend a draft pick to show. like to, It also gives the guy some confidence in, in you, that, that in him, that, that you believe in him, that, that you want him here. Like it, it just it makes a lot of sense to me to, to use a draft pick on a kicker in the proper scenario. And this, I believe, for the Colts is a proper scenario to use a draft pick on a kicker. Yeah, what do you guys we'll talk about, you know, who's going to be kicking for them in a second here. But I've seen a lot of criticism towards the Colts front office on how they handled the position over the offseason. Like they didn't have enough confidence in Blankenship to bring him back when he was healthy last year. Yet they seem to have enough confidence in the offseason to not really invest anymore in kicker other than bringing in Jake Verde, who's never kicked in the NFL before as his only competition. Do you think the Colts should have brought in more competition for Hot Rod during the summer to really push him further than, you know, a undrafted guy who's never kicked before? I think or? it's harder to find great, like, consistent comp- veteran competition, though. That's 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 one of the problems. Um, like McLaughlin might have been, or McLaughlin, sakes alive, Chase might have been one one option. To if do I that. can say Dio, you can say I know, Chase. Chase McLaughlin. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I promise. Um, and they had uh, they had the other player they signed, Luke Haversick, um, this week uh, to the practice squad in, a, in in rookie minicamp as well earlier this year. So like, but, but, I, I don't know what more they could have done to, to generate more competition there. Maybe Chap disagrees with me. I don't know. I think they could have brought in more realistic competition for Blankenship. Again, Verite, they were enthralled with the, with the, the strong leg. Well, that's fine. And the ones he missed in training camp, they, not because they were short, but I, I think if, if you really had questions, and you did, by the way you handled it last year, then you do find somebody, whether it's Chase or whether it's Badgley, whether it's someone else uh, that you maybe looked at for workouts this week. It, it, it didn't smack to me like it was a serious competition in training camp because, again, the resume of Jake Verte is that he learned under Justin Tucker. Right. Well, you know, that's super. I mean, that, that's, that, that's great. But, yeah, I, I think this is one that it bit him in the rear end. A lot of, you know, we didn't have this as high in our concerns as left tackle and and receiver and tight mm-hmm. end, but maybe we should have. I think I think Rodrigo was in my top ten most important Colts list uh, th- that we did this offseason. I seem to recall he was. I think you put him on your hot seat or the roster bubble list as well. Yeah, I probably did, yeah. That's, that's not entirely wrong. Well, and, and we talked, too, is, is – David and I, again, what we're talking is, I, I think you can argue very strongly that they didn't necessarily bring in a better, a better kicker with these guys. Just yeah. a different kicker. Just a different right. kicker. And is, as much as you had to make the move, the, the one thing that you just can't do if you're a quality team, and we'll see if this team, maybe, maybe we've all overblown this team, I don't know. But to get into a week-to-week musical chairs at kicker, it's just it will wear out your franchise. It mm-hmm. just will. Uh, I, I joke with somebody on Tuesday that it's almost easier to find a, a short-term left tackle than it is to find a kicker. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, you you just have to, and I, and I mentioned this to Frank yesterday is is so much of how you he calls a game the aggression and when to do whatever it hinges on how much trust you have in your kicker and how will how will what happens Sunday and the kickers you have now the fact that we didn't mention you know Chase's breakdown which is strange you've got you've got to bring it up because it's the most ludicrous stat I've he's, ever heard he's he's 37 of 49 for his career he's eight of nine on 50 yarders 50 plus yarders he's 19 for 19 inside the 30 39 and he's 10 for 21 on 40 to 49 10 for 21 that's incredible that it's just I mean so, so what does Frank do when it when when he has to kick another 42 yard field goal and it's fourth and five do you know his analytics are going to say you got a better chance of converting fourth and five than you do? Yeah. Than this guy does of, of converting a field goal. So I don't know. It's and the only way you, you you gain trust in a guy is to roll him out there and have him kick. Yep. You can't do it in practice. We you know we watched yesterday and and Lucas he struggled a little bit early when it was just he and the the snapper and the holder and then when they were doing team stuff he was like four and four four five for five. Mm-hmm. You don't know until. Sunday. And, and the crazy thing is, and I was telling you this again earlier, too, and, and I'll mention it to Joe, is like if those stats between the 40s and the 50s were flipped for, McLaugh, uh, for McLaughlin, uh, he, he would be on an NFL team and be consistent somewhere. He would have a couple years long contract if he was seven of eight from 40 to 49. That was only 50 percent above 50 yards like that. That's like what you expect. That's what you hope for for an NFL kicker. If it's 50 plus. Well, it's maybe a coin flip, and the best ones in the league are better than that. Right. But the good ones in the league can hit 50% of their kicks over 50 yards. But it's just those from 49 and shorter. You know, if it has a four in front of it or a three, you expect them to go out there and make it. And McLaughlin, it's a weird, weird stat that he just has has some kind of bugaboo in, in that range that doesn't work and out. And the other option is going with the kicker, who, who the, the rookie, who was a 64% kicker. At Arizona, and his really his forte was such a was a strong leg where he's seventy five percent touchbacks. Okay, yeah. super. That that's great. Good for you. You don't get points. <laughs> you don't get points on touchbacks. You know that that's they're they're just in a, they're they're in no man's land here, and you're hoping you're hoping that Chase or or the, or the rookie bails you out. If it's not McLaughlin, I'll be stunned. Honestly. How do you put a rookie out there and his first kick may be a. A 42-yarder to win a game. He would have to just night and day be better than uh, than Chase during this this week. So that that's fully what I expect to happen. And he was here in the spring. If he was that good, yeah, I can't imagine he's gotten that much better in right. four months. I think whatever. he said he had three or four tryouts mm-hmm. elsewhere. But again, he's he, as I've always said, and I, once you get to September, this is your team. It is. To think you're going to find a kicker, a left tackle, a receiver who's going to greatly increase, I- I- improve your team, it rarely happens. Yeah, T.Y., we, we, did, we, did we mention that on our – No, we got to bring that up right now. Yeah, we got to yeah. add that to the news. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton, uh, his banner is still on Lucas Oil Stadium, but there is a little addition. If you, want, if you want to see it, you're probably going to get there in the next day or two. Yeah, it says, thanks for the memories. Right alongside Thank T.Y. you for the memories. Thank you for the memories. So when they take that down, who gets it? Like, who gets oh, J.T. JT's. No, who gets the, who gets the T.Y. Hilton? Oh. <laughs> what do they do with You those? can't put it over your mantle. I mean, They're going to send it right to Beach Grove <laughs> and put it to the Casa del Chapel. 
That's too big for my backyard. Just cover your entire house. I I used to joke with like Reggie. I mean, do you guys get that? I mean, where where would you put it? But uh, it's it. It doesn't mean that 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 they can't resign him. I mean, you know, heaven forbid something happens season long with with a player or this week. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. (laughs) But but it just just because you took the guy's mural down doesn't mean you can't resign him if he still wants to play. But yeah. This this is this is something they had to do because you've got to move on. What's to say? Thanks for the memories or something. Thank like you for that. the memories. Thank you, thank you for the memories. What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan, and it means that together. We're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at hancockregional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. Speaking of health and injuries, the Colts injury report this week is quite interesting. As the Jaguars, the Jaguars on Wednesday injury report was empty. Zero players on the injury report. That is remarkable. After a week of football in the NFL. So... Kudos to the Jaguars for being healthy and on it. The Colts, however, is intriguing for a much more different reason because of some of these names uh, that we find on the list on Wednesday. Let's start with Shaquille Leonard, full participant uh, due to his back surgery in the offseason. We spoke with Shaq in the locker room today. He definitely sounded more optimistic this week than he did last week. That's for sure. Granted. Yes. He says he feels better. Um, it's uh, less stiff or less sore. I forget the exact word that he used, and I apologize for that. But Moving around a lot better. Yes. Um, so that is a, uh, a welcome sign uh, to see him healthier and maybe taking a step toward making his debut here this season. Um, limited participation in practice. Kenny Moore with a hip injury. Wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. with a quad injury. That was Wednesday. Now... As we tape this podcast on Thursday, the Colts are practicing out there at West 56th Street. We won't get the injury report till later in this afternoon. You can find it online. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. We'll retweet it, yeah. For sure. But uh, as we tape this podcast, uh, there are a couple of other folks out there at headquarters uh, watching the first couple minutes of practice. And uh, Joe pointed out that uh, this Michael Pittman issue might be something that continues on today. Yeah, the Athletics' Zach Kiefer tweeted, no sign of Michael Pittman to start practice today. Um, in addition, DeForest Buckner mm-hmm. was not out there. He was also did not participate in Wednesday's practice. Buckner, yeah, I yeah. think uh, he was listed with a hip, hip. injury. Yep. And uh, Kiefer also noted that Kenny Moore was sitting out as well. Kenny was limited with a right. quad injury on Wednesday. So, and, and, and Kiefer also mentioned that Pittman did come out later for practice. At practice, but he did not practice. Right. Okay. And, and so. my only question, and we'll find out from Frank tomorrow, is is, is this something he came out of the game with? Or as we've seen, guys get hurt in practice. Right. Let's let's say you get halfway through practice and you tweak a quad, then you're limited. So or we'll, you get all the way through practice. You jump up on the last play and tear your Achilles <laughs> tendon. Had to go there, didn't you? Julian Blackman. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, let's uh, not talk about that. We haven't even mentioned... 
Alec Pierce is in concussion protocol. He was not out there Wednesday. I assume he's not going to be out there today as well. I saw him in the locker room, and Chap, I know, talked to him. I don't, you know, I don't know, talked to him. You passed him in the I locker room. Yeah, exactly. You just doing? said, hey, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, didn't didn't mean to, to insinuate uh, that you had a full sit-down, uh, hour-long Players discussion. are off-limits for interviews exactly. in protocol. Yes, exactly. But uh, the fact he I'm going to get you in trouble with Colts, uh, Colts uh, personnel there. But it's, it's hard to go through protocol when you're not out there on Wednesday in a red jersey yeah. and to take your steps. It, like, can, it can be done, but it's hard. It, I think if, if you don't practice on Thursday, you can't do it, right? Because you need a limited, you need to be cleared, you need a full, you need to be cleared. So, Correct. So if, if he's a do not participate again today, then he's not playing. Uh, I, I assume on, he's on not Sundays. playing. Well, exactly. I, I assume the same thing. So I, I, it's very unlikely that, uh, that Alec Pierce, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, that will be – you have to get cleared again after these practices too by uh, – You've got to practice full and then have no symptoms the next day. Right. So there's there's a lot that goes into it. So so if, that, if, if all this is the case, like no Buckner practicing, I think, at least from my perspective, I'm more bullish on him playing. He spoke in the locker room on Wednesday, uh, didn't seem too phased, but you never know how things are – handled behind the scenes with injuries and all that but um but I, I think i'm more bullish on him playing but with kenny moore going from limited to perhaps out today with michael pittman going from limited to perhaps out today it's not encouraging no neither of those are encouraging those are important guys on your team and pittman well we sh- we saw how important he was to the passing game this past week if it wasn't for for him everyone else was uh was definitely playing catch up in the passing game Joe to of pick. all the guys on here that I could pick if I could only save one to be healthy and play this week it might be Pittman I know Buckner is extremely important to this defense but I, I don't know how they're gonna move the ball in the passing game without Michael Pittman I, I think that's chapper really um that, that's an argument you can certainly make as as important as other these other guys like Shaq or Buck uh, or Kenny are to the defense. We, we saw how important Pittman was to the passing game in particular this past weekend. Well, and we go back to our indispensable Colts. And We've talked about it. Yeah. All, he, he, all, all preseason. It was my third behind yep. behind Ryan and, and JT because yep. because of what he means to it and, and the lack of proven depth. Right behind it, it, it right. Just, and that was born out in the opener. What do you have? One hundred and was it nine for one hundred and twenty-one with thirteen with thirteen targets? And he and Ryan have such they've already developed this this thing, this synergy, and and to to, to take him it, to take him out of the mix if they take him out of the mix. And one thing to keep in mind is practice is, is so important, but at the same time, if if the team believes that not practicing a guy for a couple of days. Helps him play, like like you said, Buckner. I, I will be surprised if Buckner doesn't play. I, I just will. A little different with a receiver and a quad is is just because of the quick moves and the twitching and all that. So that bears watching big time. The Colts will visit Jacksonville Sunday, 1 p.m. kickoff. Broadcast locally in Central Indiana on CBS4, and be sure to join us there for the Blue Zone pregame show at 11:30 Sunday morning too. The last time the Colts won in Jacksonville was September 21st, 2014. Then Dave Griffiths moved to Central Indiana in November 2014, and they haven't won a road game since. So I apologize to all of you for my part in this mess. And I've been in a lot of these road games. I emphasize the word mess because that's exactly what it's been for so many of them. Um, Seven consecutive road games. One of them came in London. That includes last weekend's loss in week 18 that kept the Colts out of the playoffs. The Colts 
Chap, all these losses, some of them are more puzzling than others. <laughs> you look back. Six to nothing. I was gonna, that's the first one I was going to mention. The 6 nothing loss in 2018 where the Colts were on a roll. They won nine out of ten games to make the playoffs that year. And the one that they lost was to Jack Jacksonville. And I believe Cody Kessler was the starting quarterback, I believe, in that game. And then the Colts went out the following week and they shut out the Dallas Cowboys, who were playing really good football themselves. So it was just one hiccup. Boom. And that happens every time they go to Jacksonville. Gar- Gardner Minshew was 19 for 20. In the year the, that the Jaguars went 1-15 in, in their season opener. You figure the Colts might have a few kinks to work out with Phillip Rivers that year in 2020 on offense, but you never expect Gardner Minshew to go 19 of 20 against your defense and just pick you apart, especially in the fourth quarter. Come back, take the lead, get the win, and you're heading home disappointing to, uh, to Indianapolis yet again. There, there's, there's so many different ways that they've lost, but each one of them has found its own way to just kind of stick the knife in your gut and be incredibly disappointing to this franchise. And this year it's hard to know what to anticipate because you've got you've actually got a coach down there. Yeah. I mean, I mean they've, a they've Super got, Bowl winning coach. They've got direction. They've got a, a coach who's won a Super Bowl who knows how to work with quarterbacks. We had him on the a conference call on, I think it was Wednesday, Doug Peterson. And I asked him, I said, is it when you, when you get the quarterback, did he benefit from playing last year or not because of all that he had to go through? And he mentioned how, was it third or fourth year and we're always at different, or third year and always going to have a different coach and coordinator. And they think that this guy's really got a chance. And now he's got some direction and a firm foundation. And uh, so, so we'll see. But in this, this team saw the best of, of Trevor Lawrence last year. Mm-hmm. Down there, yeah, they did. He he, he had had a, just an awful season for a lot of reasons, and uh, had his best game. And and let's keep in mind that he was driving the Jaguars in Indy, and until they had the uh, Dio, Dio and Buckner strip sack, strip sack fumble. So it's sometimes it's it's just somebody. Sometimes just somebody's got your number. I don't know what it is. It's funny you, you ask Shaq today about are you mo- more motivated to come back and play after what went on last in January, and he mm-hmm. blew it off. Well, he said no, but... these, As you mentioned, this guy is driven to find any aspect at all to motivate him. <laughs> so uh, will he play? I don't know, but with, with, the, with, with the possible people that they have out, they're going to have to have people step up, and we don't know if these guys are capable of stepping up because they've not played enough. Joe, the Jaguars are 4-30 and 30 since the start of 2020. They've had back-to-back number one overall picks. And uh, you, you look at their team last year, offense, defense. It, it, it's not entirely fair to compare this year's team to last year's, but that's, again, that's the stats that we kind of have to go on uh, based on most of the personnel they have there. And obviously last year was not a very successful year for, for them. Yeah, just kind of went through how they finished, and they finished bottom six in most um, significant offensive and defensive categories. Uh, Just to show, like, they've been so bad the last several years, still found a way to beat the Colts in Jacksonville. And then they come into this year with a new coach, kind of a new, I guess, new vibe around this team with the new coach and everything. You still have a ton of young talent on the team. Uh, And they almost beat Washington last week. They had the lead. Carson Wentz, I think, with about two minutes left, uh, scored a t- through for a touchdown to put Washington up six. Trevor Lawrence had a chance to go win the game with a 
about a minute and a half left, and he threw a pick. So um, I guess that just tells you they're still dealing with a young quarterback who's mm -hmm. figuring things out in his first game in a new offense. But they're not the pushovers, I think, this year that they've been – uh, at least to the rest of the league for the last couple of years. They're going to be a team that, even if they don't win a ton of games, they're going to fight hard and compete. And I think this looks like a maybe five- or six-win football team. Yeah, they've definitely got some talent. Um, on offense, you look at uh, running backs like Travis Etienne, who lost all of last year with an injury, was dynamic player at Clemson. James Robinson ran for, what, 1,000 yards as a rookie a couple years ago uh, as well. Christian Kirk, they gave big money to this past offseason. Big opener. Yeah, they yeah. certainly he he. I'm not gonna say he paid off, but I will say that he earned his money in Week One. Um, caught six of his 12 targets for 170, 117 yards, including a long of 49. And uh, their rookie defensive end Trayvon Walker, he definitely showed why the Jaguars were eyeing him over Aiden Hutchinson for that number one pick. His athleticism, Joe, is off the charts. I know you're the draft geek among us, so I passed the question on to you that, I mean, with, with a sack, with an interception, which was a tremendous play yeah. uh, to, to kind of reach across his body on what was trying to, the commander's trying to set up a screen um, and pick that ball off. Um, he definitely flashed. That's what you want to see from your rookies, and Jacksonville certainly got some flashes from Trayvon Walker there in week one. Yeah, became the first rookie to record a sack and interception in his NFL debut since T.J. Watt in 2017. That's pretty darn good company. Mm -hmm. um, their running backs, I mean, James Robinson, it's amazing what he's doing just a few months removed from an Achilles injury. Um, 11 runs for 66 yards and a touchdown, also caught a touchdown. ETN gives him an, an explosive running back out of the backfield. He only had four rushes, but he got 47 yards out of them, so he's – uh, really a big play threat. This is just a much more dangerous offense and defense with the addition of Trevon Walker. They also had a first-round pick linebacker mm -hmm. on the team. So this is a team that, yeah, they've been investing a lot of high picks in this team for a long time, but they're getting production out of them finally. That's some really good rushing right there. I mean, 11 rushes for 66 yards. Chap, that's six yards a carry. My math's not perfect, but I know that. Uh, ETN, four rushes, 47 yards. That's 10 yards a carry right there. Um, I mean, there, there's been some speculation. We saw it in the preseason. What we saw in the preseason was really the Colts backups giving up a lot of gush, uh, chunk rushing yards. But that just in the past, in history, Gus Bradley has not been quite as focused on stopping the run as a Matt Eberflus team did. Eberflus winning week one, by the way, with his Chicago Bears on a waterlogged uh, Bermuda grass field at Soldier Field. But, uh, but anyway, they're... They're, as much as we talk about Trevor Lawrence, and understandably so, he's the quarterback, and Christian Kirk, understandably so, he got the big money in the offseason. The key to winning this game might be to slow down that running game of James Robinson and Travis Etienne because they showed in week one that they can both get some chunks when the opportunities present themselves. Yeah, like with any quarterback, even maybe especially a young quarterback, is don't give him the running game to lean on. Yeah. Because then you're not, then he's, he's thrown when he, when he wants to, not when he needs to. I go back to last week of if the Colts can can snare a couple of those touchdowns that, that were dropped, put the pressure on Davis Mills in, in making making play. Yep. And if you don't make Trevor Lawrence, you know, do things when he doesn't want to, or if you can't get to him, and you know, the, the game in January, he, he had all day. That's why he had the big day. So, and I thought the pass rush at Houston was just not there. I mean, not until really overtime, you know, right. Pay gets two sacks finally. But until then, I mean, Ngakwe didn't do much. 
So it, 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 it this is really going to be we'll get to the keys of the game, but you just have to limit what they can get on the ground and make Trevor Lawrence beat you when you want him to throw and not when he wants to throw. Yep, they, they rushed for over 100 yards, Jaguars did last year uh, in that in the win over, over the Colts in Jacksonville, too. Without Robinson right. or ETN. Yeah, exactly. They were on backups there. I think they had a bunch of carries, so I don't, I don't know how, how real efficient they were. I remember them running over and over and over again, but I know they topped 100 yards in that game. Um, but, but anyway, um, all that. And I, I didn't even mention that, that the Jaguars lost to Carson Wentz as well with four touchdowns and 313 yards passing. He was one of the nominees for the FedEx air, uh, player of the game, uh, player of the week for the NFL as well. So, oh yeah. Mike and I kind of talked, touched on that a little bit. We did our oh, AFC South round roundup and oh, talked about Carson Wentz going out there and slinging four touchdowns in his debut yep. and, um, yep. looking, looking, I can't say sharp because he also threw two picks. Yeah, but he it, was shaky there. He sharp like, elsewhere. Elsewhere, he looked like maybe the best version of Carson Wentz mm-hmm. in an offense surrounded by playmakers, where he can just kind of be a gunslinger out there, which is not what he was asked to do or had around him in Indianapolis last season. I'll tell you, your boy Jahan Dotson looks like looks like a dude for Washington. There's a reason he was the 16th overall pick. I yep. mean, I was way too optimistic, hoping the Colts might be able to get him in the second round right. because. Uh, I, I love this guy coming out, and he's showing right away why he was such a highly touted coming into the league. All right, before we get to our uh, kind of keys to the game here, I do want to throw in one or two other things, just um, kind of looking from week one to week two from a Colts perspective here, guys. Um, I, the question that I'm going to pose is, who do you think needs to perform better? Let's get one player on offense and defense um, that uh, needs to perform better than they did week one for the Colts to have a better chance at a victory, not just coming home with a tie here in week two. And since uh, since I just kind of spring this on you, I'll be the one and I'll go first uh, and I'll, uh, I'll kind of lead us off. But on on defense, uh, I think that uh, Unique Ngagwe could go a long way, a strong performance from him uh, toward uh, toward having a better chance at winning. And Chap, you touched on it, like get after the quarterback, make the young guy uncomfortable. And Davis Mills was looked comfortable the entire game. The entire until game. Hill overtime, he exactly yes. yes. And then finally, they they kind of got after him. They might have warmed down, and maybe hey, you have better endurance. That's great that that your endurance is good. Uh, I I don't want to wait for the fourth quarter or overtime though for for all your hard work to be realized. It almost it, it, I don't have the stats to back this up, but it almost looked like they started blitzing a little bit more too as the game went along. Like Maybe EJ, my boy EJ Speed coming up, huge play, uh, huge that. play to really that really changed the game. It gave did. the Colts turnover when they needed it, and it scored and it started the comeback. But yeah, like you were saying, Yannick was kind of a no-show. I get it because he's matched up with Laramie Tunsil, one of the best left tackles yeah, it ain't easy. in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But still, when it's best on best, you need to win at least a couple. Yeah, if it was easy, they'd pay me to do it. You know, they wouldn't pay Yannick $9 million. I'd be like, hey, you can pay me, I don't know, $1 million, and I'll do it. So, yeah, it's it's not easy. So yeah. I, I, I guess two, two players jump out at me. Braden Smith has to play better. Yeah. Again, he, he's at that position to where when you have a couple of bad plays, they cost you. Jerry Stinkin' Hughes. Holy My smokes. goodness. We didn't see that when he was here. Nope. We did not. And I nope. tell you, revisionist history, they gave him every chance. Yep. They did. But then to his credit, he went and really resurrected his, resurrected his career. That's one in my mind with the Hughes. That was just a great defensive play. Yep. I mean, sometimes the defense wins. Mm-hmm. 
But I think Braden needs w- w- with the edge rushers that Jacksonville's got. He and Matt Pryor had better be on their games defensively. In Gakwe, and also I thought Bobby Okereke, I thought he had coverage is always going to be tough on these linebackers until they get checked back. And I thought the second touchdown to Howard, he was late or just didn't drop and cover that zone. So, and gosh, pick, pick out a receiver. <laughs> Anyone. Pick, pick yeah. out a receiver. I, I think didn't Paris end up with three catches for 40-some yards, I think it was. And 20 yards is on the last play of the game. You know what? I was. This is something else that I tweeted. And I want to bring this up and see what your guys' reaction is. I thought it was, like I, I said, it was funny. And, and really funny being uh, not, not funny. That the Colts would throw him the ball, get him the ball there on that last play of the game purposely. What that shows is this guy is like one of your biggest playmakers on offense. You want to get him the ball and see what he can do here on this last play of the game because... Well, we'll see, you know, whoop-de-doo. They did nothing the rest of the game to get him the ball. I know he had a couple of other catches. They didn't come till later, I don't think. And there was no, as I said, getting the ball in his hands, forcing the ball to him, making sure that he's going to get touches. I don't care if it's on a tunnel screen, a bubble screen, a jet sweep, whatever. And I contrast this with what Miami did to Tyreek Hill. And I'm not comparing Tyreek Hill and Paris Campbell. They're in different stratospheres right now in the NFL. But if you're the Colts and you signal that this guy's like one of your biggest playmakers, if not your biggest playmaker on offense, by getting him the ball on purpose on that last play, why aren't you getting him the ball on purpose throughout the rest of the game and seeing what he can do? It made no sense to me. And when I saw like when I saw it in the last play, like I said, I just laughed because it was funny that. Well, now the Colts now? are finally getting Paris the ball. Okay, congratulations! Finally, he gets a touch here. Yeah, it, it, it was it was a little. The we can talk about this in keys to the game in a second. I, you guys kind of hit the points with who needs to step up. I was going to say Braden Smith. I was going to say Pierce, but I don't know if he'll be playing or not. I don't. Yeah. Think I doubt that he will. I do not know. Um, so I guess I'll put that on Doolin. Um, it, it's just. The offensive line needs to play better. I, I want to see more out of Yannick as well. Uh, I, I thought Gilmore had a pretty solid game out there from watching him, but the linebackers looked like they were in a brand-new defense um, a lot of times in coverage, so maybe maybe just getting that squared away. But uh, this is, this is going to be a test against the Jacksonville team, who I think honestly is more talented than this Houston team. Uh, the Houston team fights hard, and they did all last year, but – I think Jacksonville really – I'm scared going into this weekend, I guess, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I understand that completely. Um, hang on. I wanted to look up one more thing. Well, to fill the time again. I know, right? I'm just, you, just coming you're along. Not, you're not only dealing with the unsettled court yeah. kicking situation, now you're dealing with having two or three of your – top players being at less than 100%. It's not ideal even remotely. Since 1951, Hancock Health has been centered around you. And now, as a member of the Mayo Clinic Care Network, our services are amplified by the world leader in medicine. We were selected by Mayo Clinic because of our commitment to caring for East Central Indiana. Now, our local experts are taking that commitment further by consulting with Mayo Clinic specialists and working together to make health possible. Learn more 
at hancockhealth.org slash mayoclinic. So let's discuss the keys to the game uh, as the Colts take on the Jaguars this weekend in Jacksonville. Uh, number one, get downfield passing game going early. Yeah, That'd be that, nice. That, that, that was mine. I, I don't like the way they started last week with just three straight touches to Taylor. Obviously, you want to get Jonathan Taylor involved and get him going, but isn't that exactly what the defense is going to hone in on, especially early in the game? Like, uh, it doesn't need to be this extreme, but I would love to see the Colts on their first play, maybe a play-action deep shot to somebody. Third Just, quarter, Houston comes out flea flicker. Yeah, that kind of thing. Maybe it doesn't have to be as gimmicky as a flea flicker, but get some passes down the field. You you bring in Alec Pierce because you like what he can do deep down the field. Michael Pittman Jr. can do some things down the field. Doolin's got speed. Campbell, like, their longest completion was 28 yards last week. 24 teams had a longer completion than the Indianapolis Colts. And the Colts... Uh, I believe, had the second most passing yards in the league. So get some more going down the field. That will open things up for Taylor in the running game. The running game really didn't get going last week until they hit a couple plays to Michael Pittman. And then all of a sudden we saw Jonathan Taylor finally break that 17-yarder and kind of open up the floodgates in the running game. But the Colts kind of, and I understand why, they they seem like they want to go run to set up the pass. I want to see a little bit more emphasis on the pass in-game down the field might just be kind of difficult this week now that I'm learning that two of their top three wide receivers might not be available. Still to be determined with Pittman. Let's yeah, let's yeah. not get too far ahead of ourselves. But, uh, we'll see. But, but yeah, exactly. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'd like to see them go down the field a little bit more too. Like, Chap, I was expecting maybe one or two more deeper shots, and, and we never seemed to get it. Frank talked to us um, on Monday, I believe it was, talking about – uh, the discipline to keep running the ball in the fourth quarter, and there's not a whole lot of teams that would do what he did. And he's completely right. They ran quite a bit. Taylor was effective. They were patient on their way back from 20 to 3. They eventually got back to tie it up 20 to 20 and go to overtime. Uh, you'd expect at that point, I think a lot of teams are hanging back more, so it's going to make it a lot more difficult to really strike deep at that time. But as Joe mentioned, like, Get it going early. Like, try to surprise somebody early when everyone's keying on Taylor in the running game or keeping it close to the line of scrimmage. So um, wh- whoever it is, whether it's Ashton Doolin, uh, who did have a deep attempt in, in that first game, uh, couldn't come down with it. I was happy to see Mike Strawn get a couple catches there. I believe his first real NFL catches in the regular season. I mean, you got to think... We're assuming Pierce isn't playing. You got to think Strong kind of steps into his role this week. A little week. bit more. I think Doolin. I think Doolin is really going to be the one that's on the field more because he's the guy that's more of a blocking a blocker, and he's the guy that you want on the field, I think, more consistently. But Strong will get more reps, I would say. Well, Patman will too because was it uh, Pierce was on the field? For, was it forty six plays, forty seven plays? Yeah. I realize he only had two targets, but he was out there a lot. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, do they perhaps? Elevate Kiki Kuti this week. I, I don't know. So much is going to depend on what we learn from from Pittman. Again, I don't think Pierce plays. It's just knowing how protocol works. I don't think there's time. But uh, they've got it. They've got to get something in this passing game. And what's what's really crazy. And, and this is this is what is great and, and makes the NFL so good and bad. If the kicker kicks a 42-yard field goal. 
all of these things are not major issues. <laughs> there are things you can work on and clean up. Uh-huh. But when when you don't, then every when you don't make the kick you need to make, all the deficiencies are glaring. They're mm-hmm. just not little things to work on, and and that's the way it is. And what they had five hundred and seventeen yards. That was like the eighth most in indie history, yeah. which which stunned me. Crazy. It really did. But again, they had like two hundred and some yards in the fourth quarter in overtime, so it did come late. So uh, I'm really curious how this receiving thing. We talked to Reggie Wayne today. He's always great. He describes uh, Michael Strawn, Mike Strawn as Megatron, Megastron, because he's got the physical attributes of Calvin Johnson. That's a bit of a stretch right now. But he sees big things from this uh, this group, and they're going to have two on Sunday. Talk about another area that uh, when you lose is a glaring deficiency. When the Colts get in scoring territory, our second key of the game, they need to convert. Against Houston, Joe, I could not believe the stat when I first saw it when you put it on the rundown because I, I just I, it didn't quite register with me that they did it this much last week. They drove into Houston territory nine times, nine times. They reached Houston's 30 eight times, eight drives Incredible. inside the 30. You came away with just 20 points. That is ludicrous. And, and they leave 11 points on the field on the drop touchdowns. Yep. Because, you know, two plays after Pierce's drop, they do Wildcat, which didn't oh, work. Geez. And then went on Doolin's drop, and it was a drop. The, the same. Count it it's too. not yeah. technically a drop, okay? Or, I had this argument again on nah. Twitter. It's not like I can, like there's a difference between <clears throat> you should have caught it and it's a drop. Like a drop But is, they don't have those categories in the, it's it's a drop and a catch. It passed broken up, deflected. It, it I give a ton of credit to the defender. And I give some credit to the defender. I give a ton of credit secure to the defender it and get, for knocking it, it out. Body, and I agree, like you need to secure it. But the defender got his hand in there and literally knocked it out. A drop to me is you get your hands on it and it comes it's out Pierce. without, yeah, like Pierce, without anybody else like punching, uh, hitting you. Like if if I'd like you to, so, I'd like you to have been grading my my exams at I, Ball I State. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> every time grades. you you got hit in, in the end zone, chap, and you dropped a ball, I would not have called it a drop. And see, and I even say drop. I, I think I it. think I, I, du- I hear what you guys are saying. I thought Doolin allowed the DB to make the play. Okay. He, made, he made it easier for the DB to and make the play. And maybe my my issue is just calling it like I think it's just a semantic issue. We're both on the same page in the fact that it, it was a I think it, like he should have caught it. Yes, he should have okay. caught it. We'll Agreed. put it that way. We'll, we'll agree. To, we'll, we'll, we'll call it a should have caught. Correct. Yeah, sh- he, uh, Ashton Duell not Bad one, hands. Exactly. Let's just put it like that. The one, hands weren't good enough on that play. On that should have caught on the season. So there you go. Um, uh, key number three, get to Trevor Lawrence early, often. All three of the Colts sacks last week came in the fourth quarter or overtime. We've touched this already. Uh, Yannick Agakwe did not have the best of games against Laramie Tunsil. Uh, the first time he showed up in the game was a uh, disaster as he got uh, called for roughing the passer uh, on a play. And uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to complete uh, passes all day if you give him time all day. And even last last year when he was really dangerous when he got outside of the pocket, um, he scored that through that one touchdown that I remember to, to Marvin Jones. Uh, like he got chased out of the pocket. I believe it was Kari Willis who got in there on in him on the backfield. He just spun away from him. Ran away like a gazelle there with his uh, long six foot five legs and was just trampsing over to the sideline and whew, put it right right on his numbers to the back of the end zone, and, uh, and he caught it there and for the touchdown. So 
Um, Trevor Lawrence, if, if there's any team that should be wary of Trevor Lawrence, it should be the Colts based on what happened last year. And you, you got to get to him. You got to rattle him in order to, to be in his head early in the day. Yeah, and he's a quarterback who, you know, for how much he struggled last year, he still came into the league extremely pro-ready in the fact that he knows how to work through his progression. So if you give him time in the pocket, he's not going to force stuff down the field unnecessarily. He's going to find the open man and make the right play. That's one of the – you know, he, he still has a lot of room to grow. That's one of the things he's already pretty solid at. So not getting that pressure on him will just allow him to – take that five yards here, take that 10 yards there, and he's not going to force a mistake unnecessarily. And I loved your key to the game you brought up earlier. Stop the run. It makes it so much easier for Lawrence and everybody else if you can't stop the run. The Colts did a solid job against the Texans, um, only allowing, I believe, 2.8 yards per carry. But this is a Texans team who gave Rex Burkhead the ball 14 times. What are they doing? So, what are they doing? Yeah. So this is a, a, a very different uh, group of running backs in Jacksonville who might be able to break a few more tackles to outrun a few more players. So they need to keen in on the run. The more I think about it, Joe, you bring uh, kind of continuing that point, the more you got to be, if you're a Colts fan, thankful they were playing the Texans week one. Because if, if it was almost every, any other any team. Any other team, that would have been a loss. <laughs> I don't know if they could even come back for that tie. I don't. Yeah. Um, so. So Colts-Jaguars. Colts-Jaguars. It's prediction time. Colts-Jaguars. It's prediction time. W- one, one more key. Go ahead. And this is a... Mr. Obvious one, make your kicks early. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, we're sure laughing, that. but can you imagine if the first drive you go down there and you get Just shanks at twenty, you get to the twenty-five yard, any, any, yeah, whichever one. I mean, it, it just totally changes the 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 outlook on the sideline. How Frank does the rest of the game. Again, this team may have other issues with with injuries. Don't compound things by missing your freaking kicks. We need a kicker. Let's just go for everything. Well, Madden yeah. mode, two point conversions, fourth down. <laughs> I feel like Frank Wright half half wants to do that anyway. We might be halfway down the road to there right now. We so. la- we laugh. We'll exactly. see what happens in the fourth quarter. Yes, Frank Reich will be the. We'll have the last laugh. Uh, we'll see. Well, about Frank, that. why did you go with it for fourth and five? What did you see? What our kicker yeah, was exactly. doing? Yeah, our kicker was like. It, 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 I think it's way too early to discuss this, but I'll just put it out there anyway. I've seen. Um, two books online, gambling books. Uh, one of them had Frank Wright as the fourth most likely coach to be fired. Another Plus one, I saw. Yeah. Another one had him the second most likely coach to be fired. Uh, I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't think the Colts would even fire him midseason if they didn't like what he did this year. But I, I do think it's worth saying that he might. There might be a little heat under his seat right now. Even if they lose in Jacksonville, I don't think he gets fired. Jim Ursay has continually had his back, even in this offseason. And I don't know if he has it, uh, Mr. Ursay has it in him to really hold back his feelings if they are that strong uh, against someone. I, I think he still has faith. What I'm trying to say is I think he still yeah. has some faith in Frank and Chris. Um, and if they lose this game... I don't think that faith is waning. And after that, things get really tough. Like, they could start with the Chiefs 0-3, or 0-2-1, and the Tex- uh, the Titans are coming up soon. And who Den- else are they playing? Denver. 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 Denver, 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 Denver lost to Seattle. Geno Smith, resurrection. Back from... But, but uh, initially, again, I, I felt pretty good going into the season that 
you know, this thing is set up to go start five and two, four and three at the worst. But if you can't beat Houston on the road, a rebuilding team and all that, then it brings everything else in, into possibilities. Right. And, and that's the bad thing. I think it would have to get really bad and, and bad not just by getting beat, but how you get beat. And I, I just don't see it. But at the same time, this is an owner who he talks about excellence in, in championships. Lombardis. He, at least he's on one Lombardi now. He's taken up one at a time. But but <laughs> also what you had to keep in mind is if if that's even a possibility in the owner's mind, you can't let it linger. You can't let it get so bad to where a coaching change isn't going to matter. And again, I don't, I don't think for a second that Frank Reich loses his team. That's not I, – I just don't see it. I, I just – there's too much there. But at the same time, if you're the owner – I, how long do you let it go to where it's not fixed? And, and so, no, I don't think it happens. I, I just mm -hmm. don't. But keep in mind, you've got two coaches on the staff that have had coaching experience. Yep. That would be John Fox, who's just sitting there kind of twiddling his thumbs a bit. I, I, I shouldn't he's say doing that. More he's than doing more yeah. but, but he no, he's, Yes. I shouldn't disparage what he is doing like that. But but he's just there. He's not like an official He's uh, a consultant, he's assistant a consultant, head coach right. and all that. And, and then Gus Bradley as so, well. So it's not like, well, you know, well, who are we going to turn to? Yeah. But so, but I just, I, I know why it's talked about because it's the bottom line business. It's only 17 games. You're not, I always say you're not allowed a 10 game losing streak like Aaron baseball. Mm -hmm. You lose, you lose four games and it's, it's 25% of your season. Right. So I, I, I don't think that's the case. But after t after tying in in Houston, I just m my confidence in his team has wavered just a little bit. I, but we still, I would say, we both agree, find it would find it very unlikely Correct. for anything to happen to Frank Reich right now during during this season. During I this agree. Season, I yes. think this could be this is a very important season for Frank Reich. If this team doesn't make the playoffs and uh, underperforms and doesn't live up to expectations like it has several of the last few years uh i i think we i'm not sh saying he will be fired but i think questions start to crop up in ursay's head is this the right guy well for this weekend as the colts take on the jaguars indianapolis goes down to jacksonville as three and a half point favorites the over under on FanDuel is 44 and a half so they're projecting something to the extent of a 24 That's a over and under isn't it? it is a 24 21 ball game uh or 23 20 ball game something in that range um, we all know uh, the uh, the most accurate of the inaccurate predictions last week belonged to me. So <laughs> my God, we're going to hear that for a while. So I, uh, yes, and you're going to pick the Jaguars. Uh, well, we'll find out here. I'll, I'll <laughs> go last this time since I went first last time. Joe, how about you kick us off with your prediction for this weekend? Then we'll have Chap, and then I, as the resident sage in the room, will round us out. I've, I, I'm gonna pick the Colts because if not, like, what point do I have like living into the weekend? Like, <laughs> what is the point of living what is if I point? don't think the Colts if can I... beat the Jaguars? <laughs> exactly. So I'm gonna pick the Colts. I'm gonna give it a score of twenty-seven to twenty. I, I don't think it'll be a blowout by any means. I think this will be a competitive football game. I hope. The Colts will be able to get their act. It, it looked like week one last week. It looked like the first game they played in a while because it was. Um, and so hopefully they'll be able to snap the daggone ball correctly. Hopefully they'll be able to um, catch touchdowns in the end zone when they're available to them. I think they're going to clean up several things. Michael Pittman Jr. playing or not is going to be huge, though. 
Chap. 2320. Ooh, you're right around there, right on the line. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Jacksonville. I just You are it, going Jacksonville? I, I am. It, 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 I know, I know, I know. And that's because again, my my confidence was was shaken last week because this is a better team than Houston. It just is. Mm-hmm. Uh and and you may be I, I've learned through the years to not get too out of sorts on injury reports early in the. No, I mean, it's Thursday, and guys have a way of playing that don't practice a lot. But I just until this prove it. You know, it's, it's you know pr- prove me wrong, and if they do fine, and you know maybe they go out there and they blow the doors off of them, and then all's right in the world for at least another seven days until KC comes in. But in, until they prove that they can. Take care of clean things up like like Joe said, and win down there. Yeah, I'm just I twenty three twenty. Like I said last week about the season I'm on the dark side with streak. you. Yeah, uh, darn right. I've brought you over. Come on over to the dark side. There's plenty of room. Like I said with season opening streak, you go broke betting on streaks to end. I have no intention of going broke. The Colts have lost seven straight as the road team against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Actually flew one time to London to do it. Yep. Yes, they did. They went way on the road, in fact. <laughs> I do not see that changing this weekend. And that's not just to pick the streak. I think that the Jaguars win 27-24. I think that... Uh, will there be a key missed field goal in there? There will be a missed field goal somewhere. I don't know where it's going to be, but I believe there's going to be a missed field goal. Um, I, I I can't imagine that you come in and everything is hunky-dory in week one with the, uh, the new system. Um, and Can't miss a field goal if you go for it every time. Oh, yeah. Well, if you get, if you get inside the 38 times, you're going to have opportunities. Can you imagine going goals. for every one and, and going for two-point conversions every time? Right. That'd be crazy. If you, you make enough of them, it'll, like, offset. You, you just know? have a kicker there to kick off yeah. because you, you, want, you want Hawk to, uh, to punt. You don't want him to do the kickoff. They have. Haverstick or whatever the the rookie's yeah. name. Just bring him in to boot him out of the end zone there and you go. just go for everything. And else. then go sit down. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I'm not I'm not picking on this streak to end. Uh, the Colts, uh, the Jaguars have had the Colts number, and and there's no there's no sense in me changing my pick until the Colts can shed it. I can't blame you guys because you got to think going into this game, the Jaguars are feeling better about themselves than the Colts feel about themselves right now. Jaguars say, you know. We've been the worst team in the football the past two years, and we were so close to winning week one. Looked a lot of good and looked good in a lot of areas week one. The Colts come into this saying, we got a lot of things we got to clean up. And their injury report's looking rough, so I get it. But I really hope I can come in here next week and and do what Dave did to start the show and be like, I'm the only one who had faith. You'll be wearing your run the, the damn ball hat. <laughs> That's right. Well. I, I still have it, although my key was past the damn ball this week. So. <laughs> Well, this will be a certainly an important week to follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone so we can follow some of these injuries. Uh, I will be down in Jacksonville this weekend, uh, so you can follow me at Dave G underscore sports as uh, the Colts make their way down to northeast Florida. You can follow Mike Chappell at mchappell51 and get his work online, fox59.com, cbs4.com, cbs4indy.com, excuse me. And Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. Any uh, fantasy uh Flubs or uh, fantastic finishes from week one for you, Joe? I'm sorry. What, what? Fa- fantastic fantasy finishes for you or flubs. Dude, I, I'm in five leagues. I won in every single one. Yo! Except 
Is that the one you care about? Except the league I'm playing there my wife. Oh. She won, which honestly might work out in my favor to there keep the go. wife happy. Okay, so. good deal. Good deal. <laughs> good quick fantasy story to wrap things up. Colts, Jaguars, 1 p.m. Sunday, broadcast in central Indiana on CBS4. And join us there at 11.30 a.m. for the Blue Zone pregame show as well. We appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. 